Hello and welcome to the All-American Maker Podcast. My name is Brendan Hobble, and today my guest is John from Not Your Average Grain, located near Buffalo, New York. Today, John and I talk about everything from transitioning out of the Navy to starting his own woodworking business. Thanks for tuning in today, and if you'd like to learn more, head on over to allamericanmaker.us and check out all of the information on John and his business. So, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? <laughs> good. About time, huh? We've been trying to get this done for how long? A couple months now? Oh, at least. Yeah, I had visited before, but I just it just wasn't the right time. Well, I feel like we're finally there, and if we're going to do it, I think we should have some whiskey. Should we do a cheers first? Sure. All right. What do we got here? Uh, this is Larceny. Um, it's a Kentucky straight bourbon, and it is my go-to affordable whiskey. Nice. In my almost not affordable whiskey glasses. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. It's pretty darn good. It's not bad at all. It's a good sipping whiskey. And what's unfortunate, though, is you don't know what it tastes like in a regular glass. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to do this again with regular rocks glasses. No. And then you can try it again with the Norlin, which makes the whiskey taste better. Mm. Yeah, these are great. Like, the glasses almost cost as much as the bottle, right? Uh, these two glasses together cost more than that bottle. Yeah. Um, so we've got these two, a pair of these were 50 and then... Mm -hmm. Uh, we also got the rock heavy tumblers, which are double the cost, but also double the weight. So I guess that's pretty cool. Uh, they just feel really good in your hands. Yeah. I'm, I'm just a huge fan of quality anything, mm -hmm. uh, which is one of the things you do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm all into quality. Sometimes it gets me in trouble because I spend too much money, but... I, I completely get that. Yeah. So I have a separate account that uh, my quality things that I purchase for the company... Mm -hmm. um, get purchased out of and then my wife cares a lot less because I'm not spending it out of the bills accounts. So. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yep. Should probably implement that myself. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> it's not a bad idea at all. Hmm. Well everything should be a write-off so um, uh, there's a, a guy that uh, helped me with a lot of my stuff. His name's Tom Zacker actually. Uh, okay. He has his own YouTube channel. He's doing a lot of things to help veterans uh, transition from getting out of the military in the civilian sector. And I prepared with my woodworking company mm -hmm. for the last couple of years now. So I've been, I'm not fully mentally prepared to go from what I've been doing for 20 years to that next step, but I feel like I'm, I'm as prepared as I'm gonna get. Sure. So uh, Tom's helped a lot of veterans and he purchased a bunch of uh, coffee cups, which we make, we laser engrave, uh, for people that he's done his podcasts and his YouTube channel with. And, um, I asked him this morning, I was like, you uh, you doing this as a write-off? Well, what do you mean? I'm just saying, man. You should, everything should be a write-off. You know, oh, yeah. You're giving it, it, it's part of what you're doing, it's part of what your company is, so you got to mm -hmm. be smart about that. Definitely. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I write off everything for the business, um, especially if I give gifts or if I'm buying things to test or if I send out samples, like everything. Mm -hmm. um, if it's not for personal use or gain, I write it off yeah um because it's all legal like there is so much that people don't understand when it comes to doing your finances for your business yep. that like i've had to learn by myself because it's not like there's like a bible for that out there somewhere no there's there's a lot of resources but it's it's tough to find um for example a lot of people don't know this when i tell them my dogs and more my dog and my cat their food <clears throat> and um medical care is all written off and part of the business. Hmm. So my workshop here is in my house. Yeah. Um, so I have a huge pile of wood over there. I have a pile over there. Wood nowadays isn't super cheap to come no. by. Even if it was, it's something I purchased to, to make a profit off of. Mm -hmm. Inside the house, we have all the, the Yeti cups and things like that. So she is a guard dog. She barks when somebody comes to the house. If somebody was to break in, she would assist in making sure that person didn't get past the door. Unless they had like a pork chop or something, you know. But, you know, we do the best we can. She's mm -hmm. a pit bull, so hopefully the look, you know, gets her Yeah, out. yeah. Uh, but we also have like cloth and, and things like that in the basement. And um, rodents is an issue. So we have the cat. And the cat is a family cat, but its main purpose is to, you know, according, you know, to the reason we got the cat was to keep... Um, rodents and stuff away from all the material inside. So both are write-offs. 
That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You <laughs> I never would have thought yeah. of that. Yeah, I, I, I want a goldfish, but I can't figure out a way to integrate it into the business, so we have yet to get a goldfish. How, depends. How big can the goldfish be? I want a little goldfish with a mighty uh, name. I don't even know what the name would be. <laughs> <laughs> Odin. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into woodworking? Like, obviously, I mean, you should probably just explain, like, what have you been doing for the last 20 years? Yeah, so, um, well, those are two very different questions. Right, so, so how about we start with what you've been doing and then transition into, like, why are you transitioning into okay. woodworking from your career? So I'm active duty Navy mm -hmm. for, like, another three days, uh, a week, something like that. Okay. Um, but I joined the Navy 20 years ago. I had no idea what I wanted to do in life. Um, so I started looking into the service and just decided to do it. I didn't have to make any decisions outside of joining. Um, put everything that I needed in a backpack uh, and took a one-way flight to basic training and they didn't even let me keep the backpack. They sent it back home. Oh, so wow. um, they still do that. They take everything that you go to basic training with and you put it in a box. So you get there and it's a whole bunch of people yelling at you and like i thought i'd been yelled at before but i didn't get yelled at before this is very different um and then you get changed so they give you like sweats because you can just get a large or extra large whatever size you are you don't have to get sweats tailored to you so that's mm -hmm. what we we did is we got some sweats some new balance sneakers um and then you took everything you owned and you put it in a box and you put your address on it and they shipped it home and they took the shipping cost out of your first paycheck <laughs> well i mean think about it you, yeah they true. tell you ahead of time not to pack heavy um, but if you if you look at it from a business standpoint you know you ship one box for 12 bucks no big deal there's 88 kids in a in a division mm -hmm. so it adds up pretty quick and that's taxpayer dollars right. so it's pretty smart to make us pay for it if you think about it I'm so they should just it. tell you literally bring nothing they do they say social security card um to you need a social security card a license extra pair of underwear and socks because you, you do an overnight possibly um mm -hmm. if if the flight gets um you know stuck somewhere because of weather you don't yeah. want to be in a bad spot and they say that's it you don't even need to bring cash or anything outside of 20 bucks just in case right so but anyway yeah uh boot camp and then i went to um uh, like four schools uh, i'm an electrical engineer essentially okay. weapon systems computer tech um after all my schooling i went to uss the sullivans in jacksonville florida that was an awesome experience uh i did almost six years on that ship hmm. uh traveled the world met a lot of great people and then went to recruiting uh, duty in New England, which is where I'm originally from, New Hampshire. So I okay. got to get stationed where I was from. And you're about to go back there. Yeah, we're very excited about <laughs> it, too. We miss our family. You know, our families, we're very close with friends, almost with our family, I guess yeah. you would say. Yeah. So, That's huge. Yeah. So, but yeah, I did, yeah. I've done a couple of recruiting tours. And as far as how the woodworking came into it, we were stationed in uh, the Carolinas. Okay. And my wife and I, we weren't even married yet uh, at the time, but she said, we need a kitchen table. We can't just eat in the living room off the couches. And said, says who? We can do whatever we want to do. We're adults. Yeah. So if we're adults, we would have a kitchen table. So we should probably get one. Mm -hmm. So we went out kitchen table shopping. Turns out those are expensive. So I said, I can build one. Um, she says, you know how to build a kitchen table. I said, of course I know how to build a kitchen table. So we got home and I Googled, how do you build a kitchen table? Because I had no idea how to build a kitchen table. And I, <laughs> I had like my toolbox consisted of a Phillips head screwdriver and um, like a handsaw that was super dull. You know, so we had to go buy some tools and we bought some really cheap whiteboard from Home Depot or Lowe's, whatever it was right next to the house. Uh, we found a website that showed how to build a simple kitchen table and we did it. It's the kitchen table that's in my house, actually. That's in, awesome. In the dining room. And it's garbage. Uh, I did a really bad job, but <laughs> I love it. It's a great table uh, for, you know, my first one. Mm -hmm. And then somebody saw it at work and was like build me a table so i did and i took the money and i i bought a table saw like a very cheap table saw but mm -hmm. um it got me started on my journey everything that i've made is paid for everything that i've got so and now i've got two um really nice cnc machines those things weren't cheap i didn't go for the cheapest ones i could find uh we've got a laser engraver uh, we've got a huge vinyl cutter um slowly upgrading everything i mean we're doing the best we can to make some pretty cool stuff and so, like, 
starting with that table, did that kind of develop a passion for you or is it more just like a necessity? No, it wasn't a necessity at all. Actually, it kind of worked against me because my wife wanted me to spend more time in the house and I wanted to spend more time honing my craft. Mm. Um, I don't know why she wanted to spend so much time with me, but... <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Isn't that relationship? <laughs> it, it is. We've always we've always had a different. I, I don't know, different than a lot of people I see. Uh, we take a lot of our time to ourselves. Like we love our time together. We, sure. We carve time out in the day to spend time together as a family. But we both really appreciate the time that we get to spend with ourselves too. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to I like to journal. I like to do all the woodworking stuff. Um, my wife loves to read. Um, you know, I mean, so yeah, we do we do appreciate the time we get to ourselves. Probably more than most people. It's probably what's going to keep us together forever. <laughs> well, and I think it's kind of built into my life. Because, like, my wife, she works full-time as a teacher. And so I'm literally by myself for 10 hours a day. It's awesome. And <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> until you're, like, 300 days into the year and you're like... I just need people. <laughs> and that's why, like, really kind of developed this passion of mine to go and visit other makers. Yeah. Because I'm like, I can't be the only one that's literally working by themselves all the time. Well, it's a good and experience for us, too, because having you here has opened me up, you know, to new things, new people. Uh, yeah. I mean... You know, it's it, it's amazing for me to see your other journeys too. Like you just got back from Wyoming, right? Mm -hmm. So that was that was an amazing uh, thing for me to be able to watch that, even just from Instagram. You know, and I know at any time I can reach out to you and message you and talk to you about whatever. You always take the time uh, to talk to me about stuff like that. So, you know, I think I think it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, relationship to me is kind of key. Like. And by relationship, I just mean any connection that you have with another human being. Like, mm -hmm. uh, it's so easy to get wrapped up in making money or traveling or, like, doing whatever you do and realize, like, none of this means anything if you're not sharing it with someone. Well, if I wanted to make money, I'd do something else. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything everything I make extra that doesn't put ramen noodles on the table goes mm -hmm. towards tools so I can continue to make money because I can't right. go behind yeah, I mean, if all my whole goal was just to make money and pay my bills, I would work for someone else. Yeah, go get a job. <laughs> yeah, which I tried that for a very long time, and it didn't work out so well. And uh, eventually it ended up being where I lost my job like a month before Christmas, and I was like, well, kind of need to make some money. Blessing in disguise, though, right? Like yeah. You're doing what you love, and you're mm -hmm. really great at it. So It's taken a long time to develop, and like it's really hard when you're in the heat of it and you're that person looking at it from inside of it to be like, I don't really feel that great. <laughs> like, I don't really feel like I'm good at anything because it sometimes feels like I have so much further to go. And maybe that's kind of part of the curse of being a visionary is that mm -hmm. like for me, I can envision things that are a thousand times bigger than what I have right yeah. now. I just don't know how to get from point A to point Z like fast <laughs> well you're not gonna in my opinion you're not gonna get there fast but no. I, I, th I think another part of relationships like this is to keep each other in check with mm -hmm. stuff like that because we all get that like that like you make things you ever look at it and go wow this is perfect no no <laughs> <laughs> every time i look at a design Everything. that i've made after i put it on a hundred items yeah. i'm like dang it i hate that <laughs> yeah so you're like if you're making you make candles i'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure you're like the smell is kind of off or like the label's not quite perfect like yeah. i want it to be and i got it and i was like in awe i'm like this is amazing like i remember the first time i worked it, i just kind of got chills actually a little bit thinking <laughs> about it because the first time i worked walked into uh your workshop area uh your setup and display tables and we did everything i was like this is like what i want for my future because hmm. i want to have a storefront someday yeah and my idea of what i want for a storefront is like what you've already done in the entrance of your space hmm. so you've you've created this breezeway that people can walk into and feel at home and comfortable and like like they know exactly where to go like you know how you go to an airport and you naturally just go to a certain spot like they hire people yeah. to develop airports um so that they float a certain way and that's uh, yeah, immediately my thought with your like your, a funnel of comfort yes exactly so <laughs> when i walked into your shop i felt welcome right away and hmm. uh, i felt comfortable and warm and it was everything you would expect it's very ron burgundy you know with the smell of leather and mahogany and the rich wood wood colors everywhere it was it was, mm -hmm. it was amazing to me so thank you for for that experience i appreciate it oh yeah it was great and i'm constantly developing it really 
like right now I'm in a 160 year old building mm -hmm. and it's big it's got like 12 foot ceilings like there's barely any walls so everything's just wide open I have like close to 6,000 feet and uh, a square feet of space and um, for me it's really just kind of like a staging ground for what I want in the future yeah it's like okay what I have for my store is really just like okay do I even like how that display looks yeah uh, and I can't tell you how many times I've just torn something down and redone it that's probably why it looks as good as it does now yeah and like I love that process I guess even though I hate the process <laughs> because it's like I can envision what I want in the future but at the same time kind of have to enjoy the process because yeah. that's kind of what refines well, we're always everything. in the process so you have to enjoy it you have to be able mm -hmm. to be part of it and have it be something or so like for me one of the things i was i was kind of getting into with myself i was journaling last night and i was really thinking about is that i can't go to bed without completing tasks or being busy for the day hmm. i don't know if it's like um something that's you know wrong with my brain or something i don't know but for me it works i don't think so because i've tried to take a day off before and by the end of the day i'm like i feel like yeah terrible like on, on a sunday that's a day off you know if i if i tell my family like i'm not working today don't worry we're gonna spend the day together as a family yeah you best believe i'm doing dishes laundry i'm gonna make sure the floor is clean and and that's because i'm completing stuff i'm, I'm making things happen and i feel mm -hmm. fulfilled at the end of the day so i'm the type of person that needs to have that in my life hmm. so like being that you're constantly doing that and you're constantly working you're constantly developing your process like you have to like have that feeling of completion and like mm -hmm. actually finishing a top uh, or not a topic uh, actually finishing a uh, a task shouldn't be what fulfills you it should be the journey through that i think yeah. i think that's really important hmm. like actually for example uh the product that i sell that does the most the most for me is the going away going away paddle that i make for like military members mm -hmm. so when it started out though it was just like ugly chunky crazy looking thing that i just i was like it's not right yet i can't sell this to people i can't do it like this and i changed it and developed it. i finally got it to a shape that i liked you know you know how a real canoe paddle is where it kind of comes down like nice and trim yeah. on the bottom like i wanted that that was in my vision but it just didn't work out with the process hmm. i can do it but like how much extra time can i take if i'm making a hundred of these a week or right. even 25 of them a week um if i have to add an extra 25 minutes to each one mm -hmm. i mean that's like an employee right there yeah so i developed it in a different way and i'm very happy with it but like i loved the process and if i didn't then what's the point of doing what we're doing right now right you just take some template offline and make it and then it's not yours it's not yeah. unique it's not something that people seek you out for people are always asking me for the paddle design they mm -hmm. want it for themselves so that they can replicate what i'm making and i say i, I won't do that but i will help you develop your own i'll teach you yeah. how to do it um and people at least appear to appreciate that sort of thing a lot more mm -hmm. um they might not i don't know at least they're they're doing a really good job faking it with me yeah you know, i'm okay with that but i like being able to help people and mentor people through this this journey of being becoming a maker mm -hmm. yeah i mean for me with like candles for instance I started out trying to develop my own brand and it never really took off and part of that reason is there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people everywhere that make candles whether or not they're great candles is another question but well, some people um, a candles a candle right yeah and so i switched almost entirely to custom candles for other companies because like for instance if a brewery has several different beers that people love and enjoy mm -hmm. they're gonna see a candle that smells like that beer and they're gonna be like oh i gotta have that yeah um it's well, more like experiences right yeah, yeah it's the visual recognition of it the sense of smell smell that they remember even though they might not have had that beer for a while um and a lot of times like a seasonal beer you can only get it once a year mm -hmm. so having that sense of smell and being able to smell that candle that smells like their favorite beer all year round uh they love it and uh it's things like that where it really sells that because that brand is pushing it and people follow that brand mm -hmm. um and i sell way more candles now than i ever thought possible 
you got to make changes and it, it might not always be what you wanted or what you initially came up with an idea for mm -hmm. but as long as it fits within something that works for you yeah because you don't want to do something that makes you miserable even though it's making you money because what's the point of running your own company at that point right you might as well just go work for somebody else you're essentially an employee mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i i'm, I'm the same exact way and, and I, I think we're similar in, in the way that the stuff that we do it's a couple bucks more than most people are spending on something. You know, I mean, you can go to, like we were discussing earlier, TJ Maxx and spend seven ninety nine on a candle. Mm -hmm. um, I have one of those in my office. That's why I mentioned that. Um, you know, you're just not going to get the same experience. And, and, no. and along with it, like for me, I went down to your workshop and I got those candles. So it was the kind of like the whole journey for me. So for me, it's worth the extra couple of bucks to be able to have something that's handmade that has a story behind it you're supporting mm -hmm. somebody else i would rather work harder during the day you know and and be able to get what i want than to save a buck it's just not worth it for me you can't take it to the ground oh, yeah. right? and there's so much more income potential when you work for yourself yeah like i was talking about this with a chiropractor that i just worked with recently out in wyoming and it was like yeah you could go work for somebody else like another chiropractor working at like another uh another office or whatever but the income potential of you figuring out a system that multiplies the number of patients you can see in a day mm -hmm. then in turn creates an opportunity for you to generate so much more income yeah. like a lot of his competition sees maybe 25 people a day he sees between 100 and like 10 and 200 a day it's crazy and so like to be able to come up with a system that works like he has three assistants mm -hmm. um and they are incredible at their jobs and I got to sit there for two whole days, like filming and being around uh, what they were doing. I'm pretty good right now. Um, but uh, to see that process, and I was like, dang, if I could even do 1% uh, of the efficiency that they have going on in this office with what I do, I would make so much more money. <laughs> well, but and, you're, you're aware of it, though. Like, you right. know, that's the thing. Well, so if you want to make that change, you can. And I did when I came back. I was like, okay, I'm only spending two days a week in the shop mm -hmm. uh, because I have multiple businesses. Uh, so, like, I have the product side of one of multiple businesses, and then I also have my media business. Yep. The media business has way much more income potential. So I was like, I'm going to multiply the amount of work I do in two days so that like as essentially compress it down to two days work hard do what i got to do in the shop and then the rest of those days i'm out like talking to people shooting photos or video and uh trying to move forward in what i'm doing yeah. so that i'm not only making more money but i'm able to interact and uh have more relationships with more people i think that's important too and it could also benefit the other side of your business as well because you mm -hmm. could potentially run across clients that um work for the stuff that you're making too. Every single one of my media clients have bought candles. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic. lot of fun yep. because then they're like, oh, that's a really cool like marketing tool or something. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a way for them to show appreciation to their customers. You know, I was, I was talking to somebody about this last week and I, I actually sold them a product because of the conversation, but um, he just started his own company where he is going to be a real estate inspector. He got his license, mm -hmm. all that stuff. He's down in um, the Houston, Texas area. Okay. So I said, you know, how much would you spend um, to get a client. He said, oh, I don't know. I said, okay, well, let's let's kind of do the math backwards then. Like, what kind of money can you make off a real estate agent? And, you know, we looked at it. Um, he makes, let's say, let's say it's $250 uh, an inspection is what he puts in his pocket. Mm -hmm. um, so he makes that. If he can get a real estate agent that sells two houses a month, which is either average or below average, I would say. Way below. Um, that's $500. Mm -hmm. So $500 a month for 12 months. Um, you're looking at six thousand dollars. Yeah. So I said six thousand dollars. If you know you're living small, you might only need like six or seven clients. You know, mm -hmm. for consistency. Obviously, you're going to do better than that. But yeah. at the end of the day, is it worth spending twenty five dollars in order to get six thousand dollars a year? Because mm -hmm. yeah, of course it is. I said okay. Well, let's say you spent twenty five dollars twenty four times and you only got one client. Still worth it because mm -hmm. it's less than that that amount of money yep. um, 
So I said, why don't you have your business name, logo, phone number, all your information put on a like Yeti style cup mm -hmm. and give coffee cups away with like a piece of candy in it or something like that or a, a box of donuts. I don't know, whatever whatever people like in Texas. Yeah. Uh, ribs, hamburger, you know, big steak. <laughs> I can keep going. Mm -hmm. um, so for him it was Barbecue worth it. Yeah, see that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but everyone likes a good cup of coffee and everybody likes a good quality coffee cup and mm -hmm. you, someone will throw away a business card but it's People are hard pressed to throw away a good cup. Yeah. So, so why don't you give these away at your next uh, real estate conference, which is actually coming up here in a couple of days, and see what happens. So, um, he's actually a friend of mine that uh, invested in my company when I first started, and he didn't need to; he just wanted to. And I kind of tried to talk him out of it a little bit, but he still mm -hmm. did it. So I uh, decided that I'm actually not even going to charge him for that stuff. Hmm. It's the least I can do, you know. Right. Doesn't even come close to what he did for me. Sure. So he's probably got one or two more of these coming, and at some point I'm going to have to go, all right, buddy, we're grieving. <laughs> <laughs> but by that point, he's hooked. Yeah, So, but I, I think it's a really good idea, and I, I really don't think you can go wrong. You know, that, no. is, that is advertising at its best, and it, and it helps me and, and other clients that he meets might be able to use uh, the services that I have too. So mm -hmm. at the end, I, I mean, I'm spending a few hundred bucks, but I think it's worth it in the end. Yeah, and it's crazy because there's probably... 10,000 real estate agents in the United States like the opportunities are endless yeah. because a lot of them uh, like if they're a part of an organization uh, like down where I live they have ERA mm -hmm. uh, they're all over the world uh, so the corporate company will buy stuff and just have it for sale available to any of their agents yeah. but a lot of times the agents themselves want something more personal they're like I want my name on it or I want to be able to have my hometown on it or something. Dude, for an extra few bucks why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. And you're helping out somebody local somebody mm -hmm. somebody in a small business type situation. I think I think it all goes full circle. I think, yeah. I think it makes sense. Definitely. Yeah. Maybe let's talk about a little bit about like how you have developed uh, acquiring clients, developing like which products sell best, okay. figuring out like okay like this product is a lot of fun to make, but maybe it doesn't sell a lot, so let's nix that, that kind of stuff. So I bought the CNC machine uh, originally, not this one, but the one over there, mm -hmm. um, to make a specific product that I don't even really remember what it was. That's how unimportant it is, and I never actually made it. Oh wow. I also ordered the CNC machines without any knowledge whatsoever on how to run a CNC machine mm -hmm. or how to do CNC programming or anything like that. Uh, if you were like, oh, you just need a vector file, I'd be like, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Google, what is a vector file? What is it? Um, <laughs> because I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I've always been kind of an artist because I was into photography. Um, you know, I, I was actually looking at becoming a tattoo artist at some point mm. until I found out my hands don't work correctly when it comes to holding a tattoo gun. I have carpal tunnel issues. So. Mm. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, everything happens for a reason, right? Sure. So anyway, uh, developing a product um, was something that I did after I spent all the money on the equipment. And not, I don't advise doing that unless no. you're like fully committed. Um, but with the CNC machines, it's just a, such a broad spectrum of things you can mm -hmm. do. You can like engrave cutting boards you can do inlays you can make signs for people you can you know you can do 3d things you could work for architecture for, like there's just so many different things you can do yeah so i knew that like if i failed in one thing i could work really hard to another one because they cost the amount of a small used car so yeah. at that point it's like okay what do i do uh work hard in this direction really fast so i just tried product after product uh i probably went through i'm gonna say eight or nine like what I thought were good ideas mm -hmm. that never took off. Um, sure. And finally, I decided to kind of go off of the going away gift of the uh, the Navy paddle. Mm -hmm. And I, I what I did is I took a 3D engraving of a rank insignia, and I put that on a paddle, and I practiced wrapping cording around the uh, the handle, which is something you know I was like, okay, uh, YouTube, jump on Amazon, buy some of this stuff, and then just make it happen. And I probably spent two or three weeks to the point where I was finally consistent all the way around. Because if you do your wrap and you pull like at a different uh, different tension or angle, yeah, yeah. both actually, um, it's gonna look different. Like it's gonna stretch up more or the knot is gonna be a different size. Mm -hmm. So that took a lot of practice. Um, but when I finally got there, like I had something that I was like, this is gonna sell. Um, 
I went with it and it took forever for it to take off like just weeks turned into months turned into like I was selling enough to pay the bills mm -hmm. kind of almost you know uh, I was still active duty at this point so that covered like the mortgage electricity and stuff like that but I did not want that check to cover the CNC machines and the tools because then you know it's interfering with the money that pays for everything that keeps us alive and right. I didn't want that to be a thing that my wife suddenly had any sort of regret or, or hatred towards me because I was mm -hmm. draining the family um, so it finally took off and as far as getting that sales funnel I did that without knowing there was a funnel mm -hmm. so I didn't have a website at that time I had Etsy and and what I did is I pushed people towards the page with a product that was extremely affordable one of those things you're like 10 bucks I'll spend 10 bucks on that mm -hmm. um, Extremely affordable. I was losing money every time I made a sale, but I was getting people to my page. And the way algorithms work on the internet, if people are visiting your, your webpage or your Etsy site or whatever a lot, then that puts you more in view of more people. And I ended up becoming the number one, two, three, four listing on Etsy um, after a while. So I was, wow, I was up awesome. there. So I was the first person people were seeing. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, I had the best thing available. Uh, sure. I might not have, but in my opinion, I did. So we're just going to go with that as the standard. Mm -hmm. um, so since I was the best and I was close to the top, people bought my stuff and I became more popular. Um, I made some mistakes. I had some customer service issues. Uh, I got some, I was never lazy, but I, I was too busy making something to communicate. And somebody doesn't mind if something's going to be late as long as you tell them. Yeah. So I, I learned along the way to communicate. And I actually lost my Etsy page because of a lack of communication. Oh wow. So I sold somebody like these Scrabble tiles, like the, the life-size ones that are like this big, mm -hmm. and they bought like 50 of them. Oh wow. And I was a couple days late on delivering, but they kept like asking what was going on and it was giving me anxiety and I was like, I'm just not gonna answer them, I'm just gonna do it and get it out the door. And once it's out the door, I'll, I'll like get all the comms caught up. Well, they didn't really like that and I essentially got 50 one-star reviews that looked really bad and Etsy was like well we can't have people like this working for us mm -hmm. and I lost the Etsy page so I, wow. I'm working with them right now actually to kind of get that resolved I'm not 100% interested and it's years later and I'm not really interested in getting back on Etsy but I don't want any closed doors yeah so but they seem to be in a really good position of working with me I have to like write like an essay on like what I'm gonna do to change and you know all this and I'm just gonna I'm gonna take ownership of it and you know I think that's important whether it's my fault or not mm -hmm. it doesn't matter take ownership it's your company and yeah. um fix the problem and move on mm -hmm. so i learned a lot of lessons along the way but i it really helped me that initial thing where i was losing money i was essentially looking at it as as an advertisement cost so that really funneled people in and then um got them to what i was doing and then people started talking about you know what i was doing i had somebody i put in the navy a couple years before call me and, and she was like hey um i was just down in you know the base near the Navy Exchange, which is like a the Walmart on base that sells uniforms. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I heard people talking about your company. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And that was like a moment for me. It was like a turning point where I was like, okay, well, looks like uh, looks like we're in. We're gonna keep doing this, you mm -hmm. know. And um, you know, I've done similar type stuff. I just try to stay consistent on Instagram and Facebook and keep up communication. When I send out a package, I send out like a little postcard that mm -hmm. I got that explains the background of my company and what I do, but it's more like it just, this is who I am. Yeah. And thank you. And I actually kind of got that from one of your first podcasts mm. where you were talking and I think it was kind of into Oh, it was probably the Bison Union one. I think it, it was. Because uh, the owners, they write a personal note on every, like, so they print out all the orders mm -hmm. so they can keep track of which ones they've sent out because they will print them out and then as they're boxing them up, they fold it up, write a note on it, yeah. and then put it in the box and that goes to the customer. So then it sounds know, familiar. I get a bad memory. Oh, sure. So you gotta, but, but I do remember that I was, I was listening and I was listening, I wasn't watching because I was mm -hmm. working, uh, and I was listening to what you had to say, and you were talking about how this day and age, people appreciate like a personalization and a little bit extra effort, mm -hmm. essentially. So I've actually taken two things from you specifically. One was that, and the other one was the uh, the little notebooks by Log and Jotter. Oh yeah. And I, st I bought those, I do the monthly subscription, but like you mentioned something about like people or kids, your kids someday, like, like listening to what you had to say. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I ended up 
doing that and I've been journaling ever since and I've I gotta say I got a lot of really cool things that I've written down that's incredible I'm probably never <laughs> gonna show anybody <laughs> see I had the best of intentions of doing that mm -hmm. but there's so many times where I'm like oh I should probably write that down and then it's like I have an ADD moment instantly and I yeah. totally forget about writing anything down I've woken up in the middle of the night and I didn't want to go downstairs into the office pull mm -hmm. out my pen because there's a certain pen I use there's a certain note book I use because it's 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 what I spent the money on so I'm like right. committed at this point um and I didn't want to do that to write it down so I got out and I opened my phone and I opened the uh the notes section and I just mm. started typing in the basics of my thoughts and it ended up being like something that I I took a great picture um and I put it on Instagram and I put my thoughts down and and a lot of people you know commented on it and liked it but like more importantly created a lot of message traffic and people were getting me and be like oh, that's amazing that you said that um you know and they really wanted to have a conversation about it and that's why mm -hmm. i do what i do so i can make the connections that i get to make yeah yeah it's so easy like even for me to remember like one of the main reasons people want to engage in whatever you're putting online is because of the fact that you've taken the time to share something of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really easy to just post a picture of a product sitting on a table and think, oh, everyone's going to buy it. But in reality... They don't. Every company on the planet does that. And it's like, okay, what sets you apart? And a lot of times it's the people who, like they're posting Instagram stories of them actually talking about what they're doing in their day or talking about what their project is of the day mm -hmm. or something that's on their mind or whatever. And I don't always do that. I rarely do that, honestly, because I'm doing so many different things. But I know that if I did, it would make a world of difference. It, it would, but it, it's it's a tough thing to do sometimes because if you do it, you have to be genuine, right? You can't just and put consistent. some fake stuff. <laughs> but even if you don't have consistency, even if you just post that thing once in a while mm -hmm. where you like rip the skin off and expose yourself to the world, yeah. it's really tough to do that because everybody is judgy. Have you ever looked on or have you looked at Facebook Marketplace recently to someone selling a thing where everyone is mean as they could possibly be to that no. one person? It's it's the craziest thing I've seen. Like somebody goes, hey, I'm selling this uh, statue that goes in your yard, in your garden, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, man, you can get that blah, blah, for 10 bucks and you're trying to sell it for, for $12. This is bull crap. You know, they go on this tangent. And that's like, that's nothing. Like I've, I've never yeah. seen people expose themselves as who they really are uh, as I've seen on Facebook Marketplace since like COVID started, Weird. because people have become like either like great like like we, like we have like we've communicated a lot, uh, we've developed a relationship like we don't have a previous relationship um, before like we met each other on Instagram and mm -hmm. you sent me a sticker with a T-shirt that I really loved. I mean like that's that's what it came down to and it's developed into uh, like if I do something and it's it's it, I feel like I've accomplished something I'm like I got to reach out to whole American Maker. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, I make it a point, like at least once or twice a week, to like scan what you're doing on social media because it's important to me to see what you're doing to like keep up with it because mm -hmm. I, I love what you do. Now I'm a fan, you know. And then I just oh, I broke my chair. That's really what it comes down to. I'm gonna get in trouble for that. I had to ask the wife. Yeah. Should bring these out here and then I go and break them. Well, it turns out we're in a wood shop. We should. It's be actually not broken. That. Uh, the legs separated and that one just pulled out. Well, as much as I weigh, I should probably jump in there and fix that, huh? <laughs> all right. I have the same problem with stuff at my house, like chairs, and I just screw them all in. And then I, what I do is I countersink them and then cover them with a wood glue slash sawdust oh, yeah. mixture, and then I paint over it, and you can't even tell. These came from like Wayfair or something oh, yeah. like that. Because I promised my wife I would make her stools like six years ago. And she goes, never are did. you going to make my stools? And I was like, yes. She goes, when? I was like, look. When is like one of those things. I mean. <laughs> she was probably like, either it's tomorrow or we're buying these ones. She gave me a drop dead date. And I, I got to like a week before the drop dead date. And I was like, I don't want to make your stools. She's like, great. I found a great price on Wayfair. And they really were. They were like 14 bucks a piece. Yeah. Dang, you can't even make them yeah, for that so was, much now. No, I, I couldn't. So at that point, you know, she's like, go make something for somebody else that has more money than us. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's funny. A lot of people come into the house and like, there's like nothing in here that you made. It's like, I can't afford my own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. We don't even burn candles. 
Oh, I do. Well, I, I burned through your candles. You gave me two candles, and I burned through, I want to say, three weeks. Oh, yeah. And I was like, they should have lasted longer, but I was in my, my office those weeks, like, way more than usual. Mm-hmm. Could have been because it smelled good. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But, yeah. Hmm. So, um, but you asked, like, about the funnel, though. Like, did I? Like, acquiring customers. Like, so that's one part I, I didn't. Oh, I kind of went into that. And, and the way I did so was about, like, sending people to the website, mm -hmm. even if you're taking a loss. You don't want to do that forever, but, you like, you might have to do it in the beginning. Like, mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going to make money right away, and, and that's okay. Like, be prepared for that sort of thing, you know? Um, well, and, it's literally the same principle as what Walmart and Wegmans and everybody does. They make milk a $1.79 a gallon mm -hmm. when it should be like $4 a gallon because the farmers are getting screwed. Yeah. But what that does is that gets people in the door and they're like, oh, I need a gallon of milk. Yeah. It's only $1.79. And then they buy 10 other items that are or, not. Or more. Yeah. Like you ever go to like anywhere like Walmart or Lowe's and you go, I, I need batteries. Yeah. And then like I, wa I walked into Lowe's last week to get batteries and I spent $450. <laughs> And I forgot <laughs> the batteries. I did not you forgot get, the I didn't batteries? get the batteries. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I got drill bits. I got like this craftsman thing that has like all the, the, the bits that like you lose or like strip out. Mm -hmm. I got one of those and I, I actually I, I emptied all the drawers in my toolbox and I threw away the, the ones that I was saving for no reason whatsoever. And I, mm. I got rid of those. And then I got like a couple of clamps. I was like, oh, I'm always short clamps. You know, I've got those parallel clamps. I've got probably like 120 of those. Mm -hmm. And then these F-style clamps. I mean, you can see right here, I've got what, 30, 60 of them right here. Mm -hmm. And I have another couple hundred of these spread out throughout the entire shop. I got them posted over there, over yep. there, blah, blah, blah. But if I do a, like a cutting board day, where I just make cutting boards like crazy, I use every single clamp. Wow. And then I have like extra wood on the bench and I'm like, if I had more clamps, I can make more money. Yep. So if two clamps cost me a hundred bucks, but they'll help me glue up two cutting boards, mm -hmm. that's a hundred dollars profit in my opinion. True. So. And that's only the one time. Yeah, I'm gonna use those clamps all the time. Uh -huh. I use as long as constantly. you don't cheap out and buy cheap ones. I don't. I don't. Like I, these will probably last you the rest of your life. No, not those ones. The one you touch is a Harbor Freight clamp. Oh. And it survived this long, but when it dies, it's hard to tell because there's an inch of dust on this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> these, these are the good ones. These are the Bessie uh, six inch. Okay. And I get these Christmas time. Hmm. Um, I can't remember if it's Lowe's or Home Depot. I think it's Home Depot. Check them both. It's only two websites. And they sell them in packs of six for 20 bucks, if I remember correctly. Wow. And and I usually just drop like two, 200 bucks and I get, uh, you know, a few packs of them. Yeah. But I use them like crazy. I'm always using them. Hmm. So if you're a woodworker or an aspiring woodworker and you think you need six inch clamps, Black Friday. Oh, yeah. That's what's up. There's very few Black Friday sales that I actually see that are worthwhile anymore. But that sounds like one of them. Well, I got a TV on Black Friday once. Mm -hmm. It's never been as good as the best TV I've ever seen. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I was kind of always the person where I was like, oh, it's a TV. It's like one of the flat screens. It's, yeah. it's 1080p. And then my dad was like, all right, come check out this Sony. It's like the latest one they came out with. And he's like, there's a TV. And I was like, that's no, a great TV. The LG and OLED then, TV. Hold on a second. This, is like, <laughs> this, this conversation happened before that. Okay. So this is like the Sony. Oh, 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 is it OLED or OLED? Yeah, it's all. Well, people call it OLED, but it's OLED. I mean, we can yeah. do that. I mean, we can. Yeah. So it's it's the Sony Bravia OLED is what okay. we're looking at, and and I know LG makes one too. And and for this conversation, since this is your podcast, we're going to say that's better. But for this conversation, we're looking at a Sony. I didn't know Sony made one. <laughs> you, know, you know they do, and or if it's not OLED, it's like their equivalent. Oh sure. Um, but it's it's. He's like, look at that TV. I'm like, that's amazing. He's like, but that's the one that I wanted to show you, and I was like. Well, I need that. You know, I need that. But it's like eight thousand dollars, and I'm like, why? Well, yeah. So I'm like, well, I know I need it. So now I just have to go convince my wife. And I was like, baby, look at this Sony. She goes, we have a TV. Yep. But that's like me telling her we have a puppy. You know, it's like it's right? the same exact thing. <laughs> Turns out puppies don't cost as much nope. you know, over time a little bit, but it is what it is. So <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> it's the truth, though, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. She, she sees like an ad on Facebook for like another cat and mm. uh, she goes, baby, we're not getting a cat. She goes, it's not for a cat. So we're not getting a dog. She, it's not for a dog. We don't need a goat. She goes, fine. <laughs> see all that stuff on Animal Facebook. lover. <laughs> well, uh. my, there's only one thing that makes my wife love an animal. It has to have two eyes and a face. So every Everything. animal ever. Yeah. <laughs> I even had snakes at one point. She was like, nah, it's cool. They're animals. Cool. Yep. Okay. Wow. Yeah, we have mice and spiders. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. I don't like spiders. We've killed 31 mice in our house in two years. For what? To give to the spiders? No, just like I didn't know how big your them. spiders were, so I wasn't sure. Uh, we found one that big. Wait, so you have mice and spiders because you live in an area that has pests. Yes. I thought you had them in like cages in your no. house. Oh, that's different. We hate them. We kill them. I, but you made it like we were talking about pests. Like and we keep that we a love. shop back in our house oh. to kill the spiders. Oh. <laughs> so I, I used to like wake up my parents at the age of twenty five to kill mm -hmm. spiders when I was visiting, you know, like you know, yeah. when I was visiting home and stuff. And now I'm not quite there. I'm more at the, ugh, I can handle this. But like deep down inside, like I'm just, I can't. This one was like absurdly big. It was like that big. Mm. And the nice thing was it was so big that it just went like slowly across the carpet. So I literally had like three minutes to walk to the, end of the other end of the house and grab the shop vac. So you, came you, back. you let it get out of your sight. No, so my wife stood there and okay. made sure that so you she had saw a sentry posted. Okay. Oh yeah, uh, because we were not gonna lose that sucker because it was in our bedroom. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter where it is in your house as long as it's in your house. You got to keep sight of it. Yeah. Uh, so we're in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I was stationed there for recruiting, and my wife and I woke up. It was like a Saturday or Sunday, mm -hmm. and we didn't have kids yet. So like we woke up together. We didn't hate each other for the day or anything like that, and we start like walking down the stairs. And we had curtains, like that's like we had curtains. We yeah, don't have yeah. curtains now because we have kids and we can't like find the time to make stuff like that happen. <laughs> but like, we had curtains on the windows. It was like really important for us to do that, and mm -hmm. they were like a gray color, like a gray pattern with like white yeah. diamonds. It's a Walmart special probably. And uh, we saw a gray spider on the gray curtain, and it was so big, not moving, that we both stopped at the same time and went, "What is that?" And it moved. And I was like, oh my God, that what is that has eight legs. It was like this big, I swear to God. Now I'm probably exaggerating, it was probably closer to this big, but again, big enough. <laughs> this it was big enough where we were at the top of the stairs. It was like at the other side of the room, probably like forty feet away, and we both stopped and we saw it not moving. We were like, that's a thing that shouldn't be and it was the same color as the curtains. Yeah. So um we we decided to uh and this is the first time I admitted this, this is the first we we decided to burn the house down. So <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, my wife says that all the time. <laughs> She's like, if I see another one of those big spiders, I'm just going to burn the I'm house down. I'm surprised you guys haven't moved. Uh, we've thought about You're it. You're in like a spider breeding ground. That's absolutely Actually, insane. So we, we had a major water problem in our house. And uh, this past summer, my dad and I actually, uh, because he's actually a water specialist. So he manages, uh, or he used to, he retired, but he used to work for the Soil and Water Conservation District. Okay. And uh, he his whole job was managing like water issues, whether it was like rip wrapping a stream's bank so that it didn't wash away a road or like working with a farmer to make sure that uh, their cows weren't getting in the stream so that it was like not uh, defecating the stream so that the water quality downstream mm -hmm. was okay for people to drink. Okay. Um, so he helps me with a lot, a lot of projects because he's a specialist <laughs> and he's retired now. <laughs> and so uh, literally if he's not working on his house, he's like, so what projects you got? <laughs> it's nice um, that he's helped. My dad's like really good at being mean to me and uh, <laughs> telling me I, I'm, I'm a disappointment. Uh, <laughs> no, my dad literally will not sit inside. Like, you know that phase ever. that you go through as a child, like where you can't hold a flashlight straight long enough? Mm -hmm. I'm still in that face. Like, I haven't exited it yet. It's a huge problem. <laughs> well, my dad has a little more patience than that. But My this... dad's gotten better over the years, but still, it, it's, it's, it's funny for my friends, so I guess that's all yeah. that matters. Well, last January, we woke up 
or no, it was in the middle of the day, but we were working on a project and we were like, let's check the crawl space. Like, I don't know why just we randomly were like, let's go to where spiders hang out. Uh, well, cause it was, it was like having like a couple inches of water occasionally in the okay. crawl space. Yeah. Well, we opened it up and it's that far from the floor. Oof. And we're like, uh, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and so we literally like went and got a, a water pump from uh, Runnings. It's literally like for like pumping out a pond. Mm -hmm. uh, it took six hours at wow. 200 gallons a minute. That's insane. To pump out our crawl space. So what it, was that like a like just natural? Like uh, from outside the house seeping in. Yeah, so it was in January. The water, or it was actually a 60 degree day. The snow had melted, but the problem is oh. about a foot into the ground, it's all clay. Yeah. So it would melt in our backyard, which we have about a half an acre, and it would go down about a foot, and then it would go all the way to our house, and it'd be like, oh, a big opening. Let's just fill that. <laughs> and so it did, except then we have concrete walls uh, and like, cause outside on the back, we also have like vents and different things. So it just filled the crawl space. And uh, after that, this past summer, we actually dug a 60 foot trench, five feet deep and put in a Bilco door. And then we went into the crawl space, dug down four and a half feet and put a 55 gallon drum as a as like a sump area yeah and uh out of that we uh put a four inch pvc all the way to the road sounds like you covered all your bases uh it will never flood again well, <laughs> never say no never, like seriously never challenge you i'm, I'm telling you but well like I, I my think, dad's like if this floods again just, just demolish move. the ch the house and build a new one because there's no point in that's trying fine. to fix it that's super funny um we worked for 17 days straight oh because uh, we dug it by hand and we did a lot of work but yeah like uh i have no idea why i even brought up that story but i think it was good though is yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a fan for sure <laughs> it taught me a lot like yeah. I had never dealt with that much. And that's a lot of that. I think oh, kind of spiders. Yes. <laughs> uh, it, it kind of took care of the spider problem, actually. No shit, huh? Uh, like, we haven't seen more than like one or two spiders in the last like six months. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I think it's important to like come up with things that happen to you where you kind of take care of them yourself. I think it's kind of a lost art. And, and, and I don't want to take away from people that aren't able to completely really do things oh, for themselves yeah. because some people work 12 hours a day and live in the city or even in town or something like that. And, and they're, they're not able to do everything because you just you can't have the tools for everything. It's mm -hmm. just not possible. I mean, I can do 95% of what needs to be done, but I still need to contract out certain things. Right. You know, and then there's certain things I don't need to contract out, but I do because it costs me less money to have my oil changed than it does for me to actually change my oil. Like mm -hmm. I lose money if I change my oil because I make more money doing what I do during that time than what I spend yeah. to have somebody else do what they do. So, you know, if I need roofing done or, or you know, the oil change or, you know, things like that, then I, I usually hire out to do it. But, you know, anything anything else, I, I try to do as much as possible. And it's, it's important for me to teach my kids. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to be the, the type of people that can do what they need to do. My friends' kids too. If I have friends' kids uh, come by, I'm usually like, "Hey, I need free labor. You need to yep. learn things. Let's do this." And actually, you'd be surprised. Most of them are really receptive to it. Oh yeah, extremely impressive. Well, a lot of times it's because you honored them enough to tell them, "I respect you enough to realize that you might potentially be able to do this on your own, and I want to teach you." Yes, a hundred percent. But because in a joking there's... way, I try to say it in the most disrespectful, you're a dis disappointment sort of way. No, I'm just um, no, no. And so, like, I, I have a really close friend that lives here in Buffalo whose um, son comes over. Uh, he's the same age as my older son, who's mm -hmm. 15. He's like a year younger. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hire both of them to do a lot of things. One that I don't want to do, like, from the workshop all the way out to the drive, uh, the end of the driveway. They did all the stone for that, except for a section that my wife and I did, which was nothing compared to what they did. Sure. But I paid them both for their time. I paid them very poorly, but I, I paid them and I provided them with food and drink the whole time and they mm -hmm. could spend time together. Yeah. So I pay them that poorly, but 
not minimum wage, I'll tell you that. Well, they I did grew a lot up, of leaning on shovels and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I grew up, like, my dad fixed everything himself. Mm -hmm. And part of that came out of the fact that when he was 17, his dad used to uh, be in the Navy, and he actually managed torpedo factories. Okay. Uh, and torpedoes make, probably. Well, he kind of managed them, like, coming in and out, going on to uh, ships and, like, uh, submarines and stuff right in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, See, but did he, he do it as a civilian or was he a service? No, he member? was in the Navy, okay. yeah. He, he was a torpedoes mate. They have uh, different different jobs they do. One of the one of the shore-based jobs is to mm -hmm. to do stuff like that. And he, was, he was probably really good at it, which is why they had him do it. That's right. a dangerous job. Well, uh, part of the reason that my dad had to learn everything himself was his dad died of cancer. Mm. Probably because of the fact that they didn't really manage like chemicals or anything really well back then at all. Yeah, they didn't. Um, and they didn't so, know. They used to think smoking was recommended by four out of five doctors. I mean, it yeah. was a crazy. Are we talking about the same time era? I mean, it would have been uh, end of the seventies. Uh, yeah. I mean, they didn't make good choices with that stuff back then. Yeah. I think the cigarette smoking recommended by doctors was probably before that, but... Yeah. I mean, the same concept, you know? I mean, we just didn't know, you know? Right. And so, when he was 17, he had to fix everything on their house. He had to uh, help his mom do everything. Uh, and it really never was taught to him by his dad because and, and they didn't have youtube time. back then either no there was nothing like no. you had to like buy manuals and like go to the library and look up different things and growing up for me my dad fixed everything himself because mm -hmm. he's like why would i pay somebody else if i can do it or yeah. figure out how to do it my dad um, was the same way yeah yeah and so he like, I would do everything with him, uh, other than, like, plumbing and stuff. That never really came up. But, like, we built uh, a lot of things. We remodeled three houses. Nice. Um, and so I learned a lot in that process. And even now, like, we do stuff together. He'll help me because it's always easier to do something with someone else. Mm -hmm. um, and I just learned how to... <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we were... He, we filled up the pickup truck twice. Yeah. So whatever, so that was whatever, two tons or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Probably what, not what a ton. <laughs> I think it's it, it's a lot. Uh, the there's probably close to a thousand bed. pounds each time. Oh, I don't know about that. I, honestly, I don't know. I couldn't even judge because I just don't know. Yeah. I, I know that they used a backhoe to put it in the in the back of the truck. Yeah. And it made the bed like go all the way down to the wheels. So mm -hmm. I was like, oof. We're going to be okay. My dad's like, ah, oh, you're fine. This is what a truck's for. I'm like, all right. That's what they say before you have to replace everything. <laughs> no, he, he, he knows. He knows these things. Okay. He's a re retired snap-on tool dealer. Oh, and he was okay. good at his job, so he knew about mechanics and all that mm -hmm. crap. So, But uh, but anyway, they, they like pulled out all the old crap, and they remulched everything, and we bought like a bunch of flowers, and we did some hanging plants and uh, created some new areas, and it's just a complete and utter difference. I drive up to the front of the house, and the only thing I thought to myself is you need an American flag for the front of the house and there's one right. there there's one there now oh yeah, yeah last weekend I, finally... I just thought about that the other day i'm like i have like a bajillion american flags around my shop but i don't have one at my house shame on you i know right you need to make some changes <laughs> so we thought we had a flag so we went out and bought a pole and mm -hmm. we had the uh, the mount already yeah so what the, the problem was is the flag kept like in, in windy days, which it's nine times out of ten here because there's a, a farm field across the way. Right. So the wind just comes across, and it would take the flag, and it would put it in the gutter. Oh, yeah. And so I was constantly going out because I can't look at the American flag and see it in the gutter because mm -hmm. that's wrong. Right. So I would take it out, and I would, it was sopping wet, and I would, you know, put it back. And 30 minutes later, I put it back. So I was like, I got to take this down because it's better to not have it than, in, to, to, in my opinion, to, to be disrespectful towards it. Right. So I kind of forgot that that's the reason why I took it down, and I was like, we need a flag up there, and my wife's like, all right, whatever, just do things that you want to do, I don't care. So I pulled out a flag that I had, and it was like nine feet long, and I was like, well, this isn't going to work, so I folded it back up and put it away, and I don't even know where I got that thing, but it's in the house. Um, I bought another flag and uh, put it up, and it's still doing that gutter thing. So I looked up a product to fix the problem, and it's $80 for like a circle that goes on the post, a metal rod and like a clip that holds a flag at the bottom. Actually, there's a company that I've been following for a while, and this brings up a good point that 
I don't know if most people realize, but most American flags that people buy are not made in America. Mine was. I made right. a point. I got it from a local uh, milling company down the street that's like a hardware store. Uh -huh. So this guy's awesome. He goes, you're buying an American flag. And I want to say it in a southern voice because it just feels right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he goes, you're, you're buying an American flag. You're not paying taxes. I was like, well, who's going to pay the taxes? Well, I'm going to pay the taxes. And I was like, why would you do that? He goes, because this is America and I can do what I want. <laughs> And I was like, all right, cool, man, whatever. All right. <laughs> I'll pay those $3. I don't I don't care. But it is an American-made right. flag. It, it is an American-made company. There's a company that I follow. They actually make a mechanism. It's like, so you've got your pole, and then there's these brass rings mm -hmm. that then attach to the flag, and they actually pivot as the flag uh, flies. But I've got that. But it right. still gets caught in the gutter. Really? So what it needs is that, that post. It's like this big. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it keeps the flag in a position where... It, it, can't, it can't get, get all caught, the way up there. According yeah. to the advertisement. But I'm not spending, you know, 60, 70, 80 bucks on something like that. Right. I'm going to figure out how to make it. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be pretty, but it's going to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and from the road, it'll be an American flag. Goddamn straight. All right. Well... On that note, America. Yeah. Yes, uh, sir. <laughs> uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's uh, a great huge, to have huge pleasure. Just a good conversation about everything. If no one listens to this, no one watches it. We still got to do it. I think that's important. And drink some good whiskey. Mm, we're empty. Oh, well, cheers either way. Mm. <laughs> a little bit left. <laughs> well, thank you. Of course, anytime. I'd love to do this again. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about John and his business, head on over to notyouraveragegrain.com. That's K-N-O-T, youraveragegrain.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast, head on over to allamericanmaker.us. You will not only gain access to full video interviews, but you'll get 25% off all AAM merchandise. Thanks again, and I hope you have a great day.